It's February 15th, 2009, and this is The Candid Frame. Welcome to another episode of The Candid Frame. Before we jump into the interview with today's guest, I want to make a special announcement, and that is that I'll be hosting and producing a new video podcast. So now you won't just hear me every two weeks, now you'll be able to see me, which could be a good or a bad thing. But in any case, this new podcast, which is called Shooting with Alas, is going to be a much different animal than The Candid Frame, where this show shies away from discussions of things technical. Shooting with Alas would openly feature all things technical, from choices of equipment, handling lighting and exposure, and focusing on what's involved in actually making a photograph. In each episode, you'll follow me as I'm out and about making photographs and discussing some of the interesting challenges I face, making them, and the solutions I use to resolve them. It's definitely a work in progress, and I welcome your feedback as me and my team at Alas Media refine this new project. So come join us. You can subscribe through iTunes or simply visit the website at shootingwithalas.com. I'll, of course, have a link for the show on the Candid Frame website. Today's guest is Robert Carrion, who is one of the premier automotive photographers in the country today. His clients include Mercedes-Benz, Toyota, BMW, Harley-Davidson, and Nissan. And I recently had the opportunity to see this amazing photographer at work while he was doing a demo for a course at the Art Center College of Design. You'll find a short video I created from that event at the Candid Frame blog, and it will give you just a little glimpse as to what it was like to see him at work. Robert brings a sensitive eye to a field of work where attention to detail is everything. Making great images of cars and motorcycles and trucks is really an art, and after spending just an hour with Robert, I have a much greater appreciation for what's involved in pulling it off. Though increasingly much of these kinds of images are being made on the computer, Robert is an example of a classical photographer who uses his skills behind the camera to make images you can never forget. So sit back and enjoy our conversation with Robert Carrion. Robert, welcome to The Candid Frame. It's a real pleasure to have you on, on the show. Thank you very much for inviting me. It was real exciting to uh, see you at work this week when you were doing that, that demo at, at Art Center. Um, I really appreciate your approach in, in photographing you know, automotive vehicles, motorcycles, cars. And can you tell me how you, you got into it? Did you always have a, a passion for automobiles? Is that what inspired you to become a, a photographer of, of, of this sort? Well, it's, a, it's actually funny because uh, I never set out to really uh, – become an automotive photographer per se it's uh it's something that uh, i think kind of evolved uh you know growing up as a kid i, I, I love cars I always, I always worked on cars uh restored them fixed fixed up what i could as a kid through um my early 20s and i love cars but uh i didn't really uh start thinking about cars until I started working for an automotive photographer. And that's what really uh, put the light on in my head to, to go after it and, and know I could do it. Um, it was a later connection. Um, honestly, the first part of my assisting, when I was assisting, 
I was I wasn't sure what I wanted to do in photography, and it uh, it kind of found its own way, so to speak. Yeah, I was reading about you that you um, had begun uh, becoming an, an assistant, and that's how you came into um, mm-hmm. thinking about you know photography as as a career. You were first in the motion picture industry, and then you had an accident. Tell us about that and and what, how that transition happened. Well, uh, in in um, in my early twenties, I was involved in the motion picture industry as a lighting. Uh, I was a gaffer, a lighting designer, um, electrician. You know, pretty pretty young for what the job I was doing, which was you know, lighting motion picture sets with directors of photography, and uh, I was starting to build a little bit of a of a of a, a history with that. And uh, what happened was. I went on to a, a non-union um, movie, and we had an accident. One of the lights fell apart, some scaffolding collapsed, and uh, a 12K light with about four guys, it all fell through a window, huge plate glass window. Ouch. And, uh, you know, I, I had the decision to make of either going through the window or landing in the street. Well, I took the street because, you know, glass, I think, would have won. But uh, I, what I did was I broke my heel, uh, I shattered my heel. I came down with a locked leg, and uh, it just basically pushed my heel up into my leg by about four inches. Ouch! So it pretty much ended my my career in uh, in motion picture industry. I had a permanent disability, and you know as a result of that, the, the state at the time had a really good workers' compensation program. Uh, and they uh, were willing to send me back to school, rehabilitate me, uh, you know, get me going back in a career. And, you know, with, with what I had to work with um, and a little bit of understanding of the photographic process, uh, I, you know, I chose photography. And um, I'm really thankful I did. Was that – how easy of a transition was that for you? Because, I, you know, I know that the um, – there are a lot of challenges in becoming a, a photographer. There's so much to learn. I know that you probably, you know, your your familiarity with lighting probably helped you a bit, but there's a lot of technical stuff you have to learn. How did you sort of navigate all that? Well, it's funny because at first, you know, I, I was fairly confident I would pick it up. I would be like, oh, this is going to be a cinch, you know. But as I learned after talking to a couple of photographers that uh, – Photographic lighting and movie lighting are com- almost completely different. It's a different process altogether. Like I had never even seen strobes at that point. I was like, "What's a strobe? What a, what does a grid do?" You know. What and then that's without even the photography part of it with the cameras. Um, it was a, it was a bit of a struggle to to learn it, but uh, I, I adapted quick because uh, you know I had a good program. I had a good uh, a good couple of instructors helping me. And going back to to um, do some internships, that's what really paid off. I picked it up pretty quick. You were working with Clint Clemens, I read. Yeah, I worked for him for a few. Yeah, more than a few years. He's a great guy. Is that where you learned most of the most of your skill, especially when it came to you know shooting cars and automobiles? Absolutely, automotive. That's where I picked up ninety percent of it. Him and another guy named Todd Johnson. Who I don't I don't think is doing much automotive anymore, but he he actually worked for Clint for a long time as his producer, and he eventually w- went out and did his own automotive work, 
and I worked uh, between the two those two guys for a long time. I owe, I owe it really to them. You know, what, you know what I, Sorry about that. But um, you know, one of the things is we've we've all seen car ads, you know, all all the time, and and you know they're they're really stunning photographs. But the opportunity to get to see you work, you know, recently in last year. Really, there were a lot of surprises, particularly how you shoot a car in motion when you have it on a rig and stuff like that. And it's amazing how sort of fundamental the skills need to be in order to really do that effectively. A lot of people think about Photoshop and a lot of, you know, advanced stuff. But really, at the heart of it, it seems to be a real simple awareness about light and shape and, and motion that allows you to, to pull these images off. Right. It's... It's understanding the, the whole process inside and out, and it's like knowing what light does and knowing motion and knowing shutter speed and knowing your depth of field. and just It's a combination of just putting all that stuff together and not even thinking about it and just becoming almost like, a, like an instinct. Like when I approach a, a, an automotive photograph, it's, I'm just kind of listening to in my inner voice kind of and just seeing what it says. And uh, – the the process uh, if you if you struggle with photography you're going to really struggle with automotive but if you understand automotive and photography like down your core it's going to be a cinch yeah what were some of the biggest challenges you faced when you started you know doing this particularly on 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 your own was it the the was the challenge you were facing more technical in terms of producing the images or was it more of a challenge in terms of you just marketing yourself out there or had you already established yourself by the time that you, you know, started doing the work for yourself? Well, the, the funny thing is that the, I think the biggest challenge has been, uh, wasn't early in the career. It's been more later in the career because things, things have changed so much. Well, when I first got into, into the, into uh, going on, on my own, when I left, uh, Clinton working for other guys. I wasn't. It, I don't think I was ready. Uh, a rep had saw some of my work or heard about me through the grapevine, and she's like, "I'll take you on with whatever you got. I need a car guy right now." And uh, I, I, I didn't feel like I was ready, but because I was young, I felt like, well, "Why not give it a shot?" And uh, I wasn't really ready. I only had ten ten shots in the portfolio. And, uh, you know, with those 10 shots, she was able to go out and get, uh, you know, accounts like Volvo, Mercedes-Benz uh, right out of the box. And, uh, you know, those are, I was doing worldwide campaigns in my, my first job, which was bizarre. Billboards running in Paris and Times Square and places like that. And it was just I – I didn't know the level I was at when I started out, like what, what an opportunity that was at the time. Now looking back, I was like, "Wow, I would, I would love to have that opportunity again." You know? Yeah, but how, let me. How do you mean you weren't you weren't ready? Because you pulled off the jobs, so you were ready enough. But how, what what do you see is when you say you you weren't ready? What exactly do you do you mean by that? I don't. I don't think that the level of the job I was doing. I was really. I was. Well, maybe maybe I just wasn't thinking about what I was doing at the time. It was like more like I was just jumping in head head first, you know? Like I would like to have had a book of 20 images, you know, done smaller jobs and worked my way up to a big job. But it was like right out of the gate, bam, big job. Mm-hmm. And I didn't feel like I was quite ready for that, the pressure of that. It was a lot of pressure. Yeah. 
Were you pleased with the results, though? It was a oh, client. Oh, yeah, great. It's great. Absolutely happy with it. And the client was, I, I take it, then. Loved yeah. it, yeah. Well, that's kind of interesting because I think a lot of people, when they think about they they ask themselves that question all the time. Am I ready yet? Am I ready yet? And some people, like you, just jump in. And there are other people that sort of delay it and delay it and delay it because they feel like they need a perfect portfolio or, or, or website. You know, and there's something to be said for for either one. But I think part of what you're saying is like in retrospect, you look at some of the choices that you made and you would have made different choices. But I'm not really necessarily hearing that that you wouldn't have taken those opportunities. Oh, I definitely would have taken them. And you have to take them when they're, when they're presented to you. But it's kind of, it's, it's hard to describe in words what I felt at the time. It was like, sure, I'll want the job, of course. But at the same time, I was like, whoa, am I really ready for this? This, this is a big thing. This is, if I blow it, it's, there's going to be a lot of pressure, you know? Yeah. When did you feel like you you kind of had that pressure off of you? When did you feel like you know I'm on my game now? That that or do you ever feel that? No, no, I felt that uh, first about the first year in, I started getting more confident about it. I was like, okay, I could do this. This is good. But it just it just took more and more jobs to come in, getting good consistent results, getting good feedback, good responses. Before I was like, okay, this is really what what I really. I really feel right doing it. Yeah. Well, it's a real competitive field, or at least it has been in in, in the recent past. Um, and it's a small, because it's such a small niche, everyone knows each other. So how did you find yourself sort of jockeying and competing with, you know, other people in that field, particularly those others who, you know, had built a reputation, you know, over years? Uh, well, in in photography, you kind of you kind of find your own niche. Even even in um, in automotive, you, you think it's a small world, but there's so many facets to automotive photography that you kind of find your own little your own little spot. Like um, there's automotive racing, motorsports. There's trucks. There's motorcycles, and it's pretty spread out. And you could find a little pocket of like what you like to do, and you go after it. Some guys they only do studio brochures. Some guys only do uh, location rig shots. It's just, you know, my, my niche was automotive, uh, rig shots on location. And that's, uh, that's kind of where I fell in. And, you know, it is, it's very competitive, but at the same time, it's like, if, you, if you're good at a certain thing and you have a certain look, people are going to, they're going to want what you have. And yeah, I, was, I, that. I was looking at your site and I was looking at some of the stuff that you did with the big rigs, which look absolutely gorgeous um and they kind of speak to that specialty of you being out in location creating these images what what are some of the challenges of of having to be out uh outside making these kind of photographs and not not in the studio well uh the the big challenge with doing the stuff outside locations you're dealing with the elements you're dealing with unpredictable things like uh, traffic flow people um securing locations I really love the challenge of location work because there's so many different things that come at you unexpectedly and you have to just, you just have to roll with them and um, have a good team. Uh, you, you can't do that kind of work without a great production team. Uh, and that's what really pulls it off. It's the pre-production and the planning and just uh, making sure your details are, are covered before you ever get out there. Yeah. 
One of the things that I, I got a chance to see you do last year was was setting up a rig on a car. And you talk about rig photography, but I think some of their listeners are not familiar with that. Could you explain what that involves and and how it's applied to to the photographs you create? Yeah, well, what a, what a rig shot is it's uh it's uh, it's basically in a nutshell it's attaching a tripod or some kind of other device um, to the car underside of the car, and it comes off the car about you know anywhere from two feet up to like 50 feet. So if you just imagine like a boom arm or a long tripod attached to the car in a way that's completely solid so it doesn't move, at the end of that arm you put a camera, and that camera is essentially it's part of the car now. So when the car rolls, it's uh, it's staying totally fixed to the car, but the background is able to, to blur. Um, and it creates the illusion of speed, and we do that through uh, through a long shutter speed, anywhere from you know uh, a second to a minute, and we push the car along at maybe half a mile per hour, and it creates a real blurred background effect. And what it does is it 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 cleans up a lot of the the noise of the background, like tr- things you don't like, like guardrails, trees, power lines, and it just it creates a painterly effect. So you get you get a real nice uh, sharp car with a, a a motion background. Yeah, it was fascinating when you did that rig last year, and I think you were using like a Ferrari or something like that. And you know the images looked like the car was going like a hundred miles an hour, but literally it was being pushed by students. Yeah, you know? <laughs> and and you're using that slow shutter speed in order to create that effect, and that was just that was just fascinating to me. Yeah, it's just a smoke and mirrors kind of thing. How much? How much has you know Photoshop and that changed? You know your work, your work, particularly your workflow, because I know a lot of people, because of you know computer technology, are creating the cars in a computer. But um, you know, how has that affected your work as a, as a photographer and being able to deliver a, a final product to your client? It, it completely. It's been a revolution. It's been an absolute revolution in the last you know five to ten years. It's just unbelievable. When I when we got into this, um, the first shots we were I was doing, we were shooting film, you know, four by five or or medium format, and that stuff would be would be really really set up. We'd be doing a lot of Polaroids, a lot of proofing, a lot of uh, detail work, lighting, getting little things out of the background, just really scrutinizing the frame before we ever even burned a piece of film. And then we we would shoot the film, and it would come back as a nice, beautiful chrome. Look at it in the light box, and you pick your select, your hero shot. And then you would go off to the retoucher or um, the color house, and they would do some corrections on it. But it wasn't it wasn't this huge compositing process that it is now. It was more like we would go for a one beautiful image and then clean it up from there. What's what's changed, in the, especially in the last two years, I think, has been this this approach to just composing everything. And uh, I, I I'm guilty of it because I do it. Um, but I'll, when I shoot something, I'll be thinking in terms of parts and pieces, and no longer just the big image. I'll see the big image in my head, but I I know how to get there in a uh, I'd say a more efficient way, a more time consu- time saving manner, mm-hmm. <clears throat> like. Uh, for instance, we were in the studio last week with that with that um, with the art center project, 
on the motorcycle and to light that in the studio environment it would it would take you know take half a day to do a nice proper motorcycle shot well the approach i took was i, w I was thinking in terms of parts so i'd shoot one one base shot which was average lighting on the on the bike which was good overall but then i would i would bring in um and adjust for areas on the on the bike like the wheels the motor the underside and shoot those separate and then combine them 10 years ago that wasn't really the norm that wasn't what people would think of for photography it was going for the, the hero shot now it's parts and pieces a lot oh, of compositing yeah. and it's it you know i was just looking back on it it's kind of sad because the, the art and the craft of photography in in one way is dying it's it's a lost thing and i see people coming into it now that are just uh they don't have a real real deep understanding of photography as an art and they come into it and just uh shoot parts and pieces digital <clears throat> and and they make a beautiful shot because they're great on their computer and that's fine because you're going after the, the 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 ultimate image but what i question is when is it photography and when does it start to become illustration hmm. and that's something i struggle with do you do you think though that the having an awareness in terms of light and composition, basically having a photographic eye is going to serve you a little better than it is some guy who's a, you know, expert in Photoshop who doesn't necessarily have an understanding of those principles. They'll, they know what kind of looks good on a computer, but they would know how to, how to use a it, camera to it, create it. You got to know, you got to, you got to know the basics of composition and lighting. Um, that's the basic. When, if you have those down, you could, you could create a shot, uh, compositing or real time it's just you having a, attention to the detail and knowing what you're going for having the vision of what you want that's the i think that's the real key to it tell me about working with your clients because i i was for a lot of this these advertising campaigns so they're coming out coming coming to you with a sort of a layout and an idea of what they want for their for 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 the ad or you know they may, may even have an, a mock-up um how you know how literal do you have to be in order to meet to satisfy them, and how much are they asking you to bring to the table when you go out and actually shoot it? Well, there, there's in my in my experience, there's been a, there's been a couple of different approaches, and it depends on the ad agency and the client and the art director and uh, and how I work with them. Sometimes they'll hand me a a, a a sketch or even a photograph of another photographer's work. Uh, which is, I think, is becoming more common. I think they're starting to scan portfolios, and and literally say recreate that. And I've been handed some stuff where it's like we want this to look just like this, and we don't want any variation on it. Um, I won't say names of the companies, but it seems the bigger the company, the more literal they want it. And I can see them just sitting around board meetings, going, "This is what we want, and we don't want anything different than that." And you're required to deliver exactly what you see. Other clients are very loose. Sometimes I, we go on a job and we and we don't even have a layout or even an idea or even a shot list. They're like, just create us beautiful images and that's all we want, uh, and we'll build a library. Library is becoming uh, more and more common. I'm hearing that like on I'd say about seventy five percent of the jobs now. It's like we just want a library of images. And so they, they, you go out, you shoot a pool of, of photographs, and they are able to use them whatever way they wish in terms of either their catalogs or their websites or their brochures. Yeah. 
Yeah. So how do you work that out in terms of licensing? You know, because you know if they're having a pool of, of photographs that they're able to use in a variety of ways, which they may have not yet decided at the moment that you're you're making the images. How do you work that out? Well, it's really up to my rep to to work on that uh, on that uh, usage. And, and a lot of times, it's it's we'll do a day rate. We'll shoot for the day, and then each image that they like, there will be a, a licensing fee on top of that. So it, it benefits us and it benefits them. They get more work, and we get hopefully more usage. The yeah. more shots that they like and run, the more we'll make a, um, in terms of fees. So so it balances out. Yeah. You know, the the auto industry is, 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 is in turmoil. So is the publishing industry. So is advertising. It's a real challenging time, you know, for the auto, auto industry, regardless, regardless of what part of it uh, you're right. in. But I, right. I can imagine, especially for a photographer, it's probably even more so because everyone's tightening their purse strings. What has the last couple of years meant for you in your, in your business? Well, we've, we've definitely seen, uh, seen it become more competitive over the last couple of years. And we've seen a real influ- um, influx of uh, European photography. Uh, the Germans and the British have really, really come into the, into the United States and really taken a lot of that work away from American photographers, especially in Detroit. Uh, and uh, I'm not I'm not blaming them. I'm just saying that's they have a very unique look, a very unique style, and, and it's very sought after. And uh, that's made it really competitive for the American photographers. They won't even look at American portfolios. They'll just say, we want German or British, and mm-hmm. uh, it's unfortunate. Um, so a lot of the work has been taken up by, by the Europeans, and then with the, you know, with, with, the, with, the, um, with the economy going bad, it's like the, the agencies are wanting more and more for less. They're now um, expecting a full buyout with every, every shot just about. The usage just seems to be going away. Mm. It's like we just want the images, and uh, with with some other factors like CGI coming into play, we're seeing less and less work. And with more people coming out of school, we're seeing more photographers. So it's getting really difficult to um, to keep the doors open, so to speak. But um, when you have uh, when you have good clientele, you know you work. It's yeah. it's, it's a challenge, but it's it's like that in any any field of photography. It's it's competitive by nature. Well, you 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 come off as being very generous because you you've gone come out to Art Center and and shared your insight into, um, you know, your approach to photographing automobiles, and you've been real generous with your your, your time and your experience. But I, I know a lot of people who would go. You know, I'm not going to share any anything with people who are going to be my competition in a couple of years. Um, you know, they'll they'll hold their cards very close to their vest. And and not want to go out there and do that. But why do you do? Why do you do that? Well, it, it it's a sense. I, I get a sense of you know of, of feeling good about myself. To be honest, when I do it, I feel I feel like I've contributed something back. I look back to when I was getting in in the industry and people that helped me out. They were very open and very sharing with what they had. And uh, I don't I don't think there's anything in the technique itself like that is so secretive like in the process it's it's the other stuff that makes makes you as a photographer it's your business sense it's your it's your networking abilities it's your friendships your contacts those are the things that, that really are going to make you a good photographer 
Um, anyone, anyone could go out and do a rig shot. Anyone could go do a good studio shot. Those aren't the things that are going to really make you or break you. It's going to be the other things you don't ever experience. Yeah. What do you think, besides the quality of, of your work that you bring to the table that some other photographers you're competing with don't? You know, what is it about you and the way that you work that you feel uh, leads many people to choose you over someone else? Well, I think we have a very open approach. Like we're, we're somewhat laid back on how we handle it. We're not uptight. We're not rigid. We're very uh, flexible to adapt to, to any situation. When we're out there, we, um, you know, if we see a better shot, you know, I'll say, hey, I see a better shot. Let's, what do you think about this? And I'm constantly trying to bring more to the table. I'm trying to go the extra mile, not just say, okay, I did your layout. Let's go home. Let's go back to the hotel. I'm like, let's do another shot. Let's do something else. Let's push it. And I think a lot of art directors appreciate that. Yeah. It's like giving them more than more than what they want, and and coming up with a better idea or uh, an additional idea. And it's just contributing to the whole process. And I think you make a great point about you know that when a client hires you, they want someone that'll give them a little more, some little something extra. You know, they're happy if you give them what they want, but they're absolutely you know thrilled if you give them that much more in whatever way it's it's not even you give them that much more you just have to make them feel like they're getting more like they're getting a value like you appreciate them and their input um some photographers that i worked for in the past um when i was assisting i would i would see their process and i wouldn't i would go man when i get out there and do my own thing i don't want to be like that like just giving them what they want and walking away and collecting a check i don't i don't think in in this market um art directors and agency and clients are going to appreciate that. Yeah. Tell me about your team because this is the kind of photography you can't do by yourself. Um, how many people are usually involved in a shoot and how do you come to choose the people that, that uh, end up working with you, particularly people who want to, you know, intern with you? Well, it's, uh, this, this kind of photography can't not, cannot be done without a team. The team is, the most important part of it, um, the producer's key. And I use a really a couple great producers. One is uh, Mark Andreessen. He's one of my best friends. We started out working um, for Clint Clemens together, and he was an, he was actually my boss. He was the first assistant, and I was the second. And uh, Mark and I have uh, you know built a great friendship, and uh, he's he was the most really the most important part of the team because he he does location scouting finds the locations uh brings ideas to the table and he's very very detail oriented down to the last t and he knows knows it inside and out knows my process and he kind of kind of manages um my insanity a little bit he brings <laughs> he brings it back together because if i'm out there by myself i'm just gonna run in every direction so mark's great at uh controlling the whole the whole set and bringing bring order to it um just production when you're out there and you're and you're shutting down bridges and tunnels and you know interrupting traffic flow and you have a hundred cops around i mean there's things have to be really buttoned up um and uh that's the same about production but for assistance that's also key because you want to have some kind of an understanding with your assistants where they they know and uh anticipate things before you ever think it one my my first assistant right now he he's an art center grad 
Jeff Johnson. He's a great photographer uh, on his own. But he, him and I have built a good friendship and uh, understanding of working together. And he, he knows before I even set up a light what I'm doing. He'll be like, hey, I got that light ready. I'm like, oh, yeah, thanks, Jeff. And it's just working with people over, over, the, over and over again where the, you build this, this, uh, this seamless uh, understanding of, um, of a working relationship. And I like to use the same people and build a, a real a real family. Yeah. Well, there's there's one I was looking at portfolio and there's one image I knew I just had to ask you about, and it's that series of the that crash. Oh you know, yeah. That, uh, you know that uh, I guess was the fastest motorcycle crash. Uh, yeah. Uh, t- tell me about that because that looked insane, particularly the fact that you, you know, were managed managed to get that series of photographs. Tell us that story. <laughs> Well, I was uh, I was in Italy at a, a racetrack called Mugello, and I was photographing uh, the MotoGP championship. This was, I guess, about two or three years ago, and it was just over there shooting for my own self, and um, just I just wanted to build like a motorcycle portfolio, so I was over there shooting, and uh, for whatever reason, um, I was on the on the front straight beyond the the, the finish line. And I was the only person there, um, and I was trying to shoot the I was trying to shoot the uh, the leaders of the race coming through the finish line, but my autofocus on my Canon slipped and it went to the back of the pack instead of the front. But when it went to the back of the pack, the the rider uh, Nakano on a Kawasaki, his rear tire blew, and I saw it. I knew something wasn't right, so I just laid on the trigger, and I shot just as, as many bursts of of frames as I could and it was just it was really a lot of luck getting that shot but someone had told me after that there's no such thing as luck it's uh the luck is uh it's uh being prepared for the unexpected and the opportunity and having the opportunity and something to that effect but I felt like it was a lot of luck but if I wasn't prepared I couldn't have gotten the shot yeah and he came through it okay. It looked pretty, pretty gnarly. Yeah, I think he was back on the bike the next day. Really? Oh, wow. Yeah, he walked away. <laughs> what did you feel when you were seeing it and you were just actually making the, making the images? I mean, what was running through your head? Or was anything? Or you were just like trying, just holding, trying to hold the camera steady? It was kind of like a fight or flight. Like I saw him coming toward me. And because you're looking through a long telephoto lens, things are compressed and you don't know like really distances. Right, yeah. And I'm like, okay, what do I do? Do I drop the camera and run? You know, this bike can hit me in the head, and this is what's going to happen? And I was, I just, without even thinking about it, I just decided to stay on it and I just shot the sequence. Yeah, because it looked like it was coming just straight for you, particularly in one yeah. of those frames. Yeah. <laughs> so, what do you, in terms of the the stuff that you're doing now? You, I saw the stuff that you did with the trucks, and is that something you've been doing recently? Or, um, or better yet, what, what's the stuff that you're doing now that's really exciting you? Because you've been in this business a while, and I think it's always important to think about different ways of really doing stuff that really, you know, really thrills you in your in your craft. And what is that for you? Is it the trucks, or is it something else? Well, if I could do more location car uh, advertising, that's what I really want to do. The problem is right now, it's it's there's not much of that work out there at the moment, so it's kind of selective. What's really exciting me is the truck work because it's so different. I like doing trucks because they're they're 
a, a different kind of vehicle that, that you don't commonly think about. And uh, if you could bring some of the car techniques to those trucks, it's 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 great because you could get something different. How I do like, you have, go ahead. Uh, no, go ahead. You like one? I like working one because they're just they're they're odd and unique, and it just when you make a truck look good, it's like wow, it's, look, I made that thing look good. Well, how, what do you have to do differently? How do you have to reshape the way you, you you approach as a result of using shooting these much bigger vehicles? Well, size comes into play, and uh, definitely a, definitely a concern. But the the thing is, you have to have good locations. The location's key to a truck shop. It has to complement it. It has to be open enough and big enough to to handle the truck. And do you have someone who scouts for you for for all these locations, or do you kind of do that on your own, or how does that work? Yeah, yeah. My uh, my producer Mark Andreessen, he scouts. I'd say ninety percent of it, and he he finds some great spots. But we'll we'll have a we'll have a starting point of what we want, whether it's a bridge or a tunnel, or a industrial warehouse or uh, a road. We'll have a starting point from the client, and we'll we'll build it off that. Uh, well, it's beautiful work. I mean, it's it's really stunning. I mean, and and I have a greater appreciation for it having had the chance to see you um, to see you work. Um, when you're working in in studio, um, and you're having that much of a control, you talk about compositing, but you. But there are so many different ways that you can use a light, and you can use different light sources in, in order to shoot. And one of the interesting things that I heard you mention was that even though you're in a studio, that a lot of people are shooting with tungsten rather than strobe. What, what's that about? Well, with cars, uh, it's it's for however long people have been in in studios with automotive automobiles. It's been tungsten because you could just you could see real time what's happening. You could look. It, you could look at your car or subject, and you could see the reflections. With strobe, you you don't really you see it, but you really don't. And uh, when you're when you're in studio and you're in a controlled environment, you could burn a you know a twenty second exposure, and it's, you're going to get the exact same result with strobe. So strobe, uh, tungsten just gives me the ability just to to really be much more uh, attention oriented with the image. So even though you have digital now and you have the bit of, the advantage of immediate playback including having a monitor there you like seeing it on the car or the, or the motorcycle with your naked eye and making an assessment there rather than looking at a screen yeah it might be an old school thing that i do but it, it for me it's what i prefer well you've shot a lot of cars so what's been one of the most favorite vehicles you've ever had had the benefit to, to photograph oh Probably the Lamborghini Murcielago. It's probably the funnest car. Why? Well, because uh, it was an editorial job, and uh, they gave me the keys and let me run around for a day. Oh, my God. So it's pretty fun. I'm afraid to ask how much that car is. I don't even know. (laughs) More than I make. (laughs) Well, the last question I always ask is, I ask for a photographer to recommend another photographer that they suggest that our listeners go and explore. So who would that be for you and why? I would say, give me a second on that one. That's a tough one. Uh, well, you could you could always look at Clint Clemens' work. He's the guy that taught me cars, and uh, he's he's the he's the, the godfather of, of car photography, my book. He 
he developed the rig and he developed uh, a real style. And he was doing this stuff long before, long before anyone else was doing it. He's the, he developed and pioneered the rig shot, and uh, just he's got a great eye. The guy's a, a genius when it comes to composition and lighting and, and location work. I would say Clint Clemens. Great. Well, thank you, man. I think you're an awesome photographer, and, and I really just can't thank you enough for making the time for me today. Thank you very much. Thanks for joining me for another episode of The Candid Frame. If you have any comments or suggestions, email me at thecandidframe at gmail.com. Post a message on the blog at thecandidframe.com or join The Candid Frame group on Facebook and leave a message there. Until next time, this is Ivarian X. Perello, and this is The Candid Frame. Check out this show and more great photography podcasts at photocastnetwork.com. Photocastnetwork.com.